0: Today on the On Enquire podcast, we'll preview Illinois and Minnesota. Ryan Burns, com. Uh, we'll break down the Minnesota Illinois matchup and break down PJ Flex boat rowing Minnesota Golden Gophers, a good football team and an arrested football team coming off their off week. Uh, I got to be honest with you guys, this is coming out a little later in the week than I hope for, but it has been a busy week. I wasn't able even to get Joey on here uh, before and, and and wanted to get this out Friday morning, so I uh, didn't want to wait till Friday afternoon to record this and just have a couple hours before kickoff. Uh, but it has been a very busy week. We jetted to Minneapolis for Big Ten Basketball Media Days. We've had a lot of media availability. And Thursday, we had a tour of Ubbin Basketball Complex, the renovated Ubbin Basketball Complex. And I should say, still under renovation, uh, because they still got some work to do there. But uh, we also had a press conference announcing, yeah, we did have it right here, a, a new wrestling facility. So uh, two things I want to hit on first, and then I'll I'll do a little preview of Illinois and Minnesota myself uh, after we hear from Ryan Burns, but just a few thoughts on those facility things. Uh, Ubbin is great, man. Uh, It it is great. Um, So much more space for activities, right? So much more space for everything. Uh, It's like Smith Center in a lot of ways. Uh, I think Josh Whitman said it's the same architect, uh, but state of the art in, in everything. But the key here is more space, more space. The weight room is far bigger. They couldn't get the whole team in the weight room there before. Now they can. Uh, the recovery areas, they have all the new latest cold tubs, hot tubs, uh, you know, underwater treadmills. Uh, Josh Whitman showed us a room where they're going to have the latest in in recovery. Like I can never say the word right, but Chirobaric Chamber Whatever it's called Uh, They're going to have All of those kind of things And just a lot more storage They used to have to put The team bags Like when they were Leaving for trips In the hallway They used to have to put Like all the The basketball guns All the The machines they could use Like on the sidelines and Brad Underwood said we had to just try to avoid hitting those with players. His his treadmill, his famous treadmill, was uh, kind of right off the court. So he had to make sure players didn't run into those things. They got plenty of storage now. The locker room they actually use, they can actually use it for the players and, and hang out there and do well. They get a lounge area that they do well. Uh, and, and the biggest thing that stuck out to me is the coaches' offices are massive. There's there's so many more people on staffs nowadays than there were 20 plus years ago, when they first made Ubbin, which was state of the art at the time. Now there's so many staff members, whether it's you know GAs, video guys, uh, recruiting guys, assistant coaches. Of course, there's only, always been that many, but it used to just be a, basically assistant coaches, a director of basketball operations, and a head coach. Now there's so many people, and they used to just have to. They took the conference room they used to have and basically made that everybody's office. That's not the assistant coaches or head coach. Um, now they have so much more space for that. And Brad Underwood's office is awesome. And he can have so many recruiting meetings. He's got a 95-inch TV in there that he showed us. And I got a YouTube, on our YouTube channel, a on video of it because uh, Josh Whitman took us on a tour of it. Brad Underwood, Shauna Green uh, kind of weighed in along the tour as well. So go out and check that out. It's just a really, really cool space. And, and biggest thing for Brad Underwood is he said, I don't have to hide anything in recruiting. They used to never really meet or, you know, they used to avoid areas when they would take prospects through, like the Paul Schmitz area where, you know, they they work on players, the training room. He wouldn't show them that. When they had to meet with recruits, it wouldn't be in his office because it was a little scrunch. Now he's got this great office where you can sit and meet with these people and, and feel pretty good about it. So that that was one big thing Brad Underwood said. Also, women's basketball, not quite all moved in yet. Um, there there was kind of a delay in the process. There was some water damage at one point. I uh, said so to replace some things, but women's basketball will be moving in there very, very soon. But $40 uh, $40 million, for that project, but it is definitely a huge improvement for the men's basketball program. And I was asking Underwood who com- who competes with you now in-, in the Big Ten. Michigan and Michigan State are really good, uh, but outside of those, that's about it. He, he said Tennessee is probably the nicest he's ever seen. Uh, so obviously Illinois, one of the best in the country in the facilities race right now. And and Josh Whitman took care uh, of those two programs. He's also taking care of wrestling. And-, and I think what you've seen with Josh Whitman with facilities is. He's all in on winning for most of his sports. I don't know how many people were kind of knocking down the door to get soccer and track taken care of, but he did it, right? On top of basketball, on top of the football facility. Baseball and softball now have indoor practice facilities that are almost near completion here. Uh, And now he takes care of wrestling with a new 14 million dollar facility and the thing is he's finding people who are passionate about this whether it's the Demergent family with Demergent park and, and soccer and uh track or everyone that's involved the atkins with baseball you know it's softball golf they, they've gotten taken care of of course uh, and they find three families who are really big wrestling families who want to donate 10 million dollars for this facility and whitman wanted the multi-sport facility but we all know what happened with hockey Hockey was going to be one of the big reasons he wanted that is because it would take care of volleyball, wrestling, and the two gymnastic sports, along with adding a premier sport in hockey. And they were close to the finish line there, and the pandemic happened. Prices changed. Everything changed. And now he had to pivot. And he looked at wrestling. He looked at multi-sport facility. And multi-sport facility would have cost a ton of money. I don't know what the figure of, of it was, But I asked Whitman, why did you pivot from multi-sport facility to take care of everybody uh, and and just go with a standalone wrestling facility? And and he said, well, I had these engaged, excited donors that wanted to do this now, and I couldn't pass up on that opportunity to take care of this sport right now. So construction will start next year. I think it's supposed to be done uh, by the end of 2024. I want to make sure I have that right but it, it is a standalone wrestling facility that you know Mike Poletta was saying big things yesterday saying we're now the beacon of what wrestling facilities are in the country and wrestling let's be honest the last decade has not been what it was uh you know Mark Johnson had a heck of a run here I, I want to res- uh, restate that scheduled to start in the spring of 2024 uh, completed in late 2025 he thinks this can make Illinois wrestling far better than what it is right now. And I've had some people ask me, will this make them Iowa or Penn State? And if not, what's the point? Well, the point is, why not try? I think that's what women is showing you, whether it's track, uh, soccer. You know, some programs have been struggling. He wants to give them every reason not to struggle. And he wants to win in everything, not just football, not just men's basketball. Because if you're doing this, why not go out? If, especially if you have the supporters that want to make this. And I think that's what Whitman uh, has done really, really well here. Uh, but Puetta thinks it's going to be a really big deal. He's got a young, hungry staff in recruiting. Uh, Ed Ruth, Jeremy Hunter, Isaiah Martinez, a lot of national championships uh, among those guys, all young. Uh, and this certainly should help. It's going to be a 19,000 square feet um, facility facility. Include a wrestling room with three mats, strength and conditioning, sports medicine, team locker room, coaches' locker room, and offices, and a multi-purpose meeting. Some people have, you know, not liked the location. It's going to be on the south side of State Farm Center, where it's kind of a grassy space with a, a bunch of trees. And I think they'll be able to save a lot of those trees, which which would be nice. Uh, they're also going to upgrade the parking lot over there, and this is all paid through through DIA funds and and private donations. And Whitman says he's going to try and get it all. Uh, taken care of I think Ubin, they're up to thirty five million dollars around there uh, that's been privately donated so far out of the 40 million and he thinks they'll be able to get it all privately funded. but yeah, I'm, I'm really interested to see like this is I think it's a nice spot. I mean everything basically outside of volleyball at this point is on St Mary's Road. Like the athletics campus almost everything touches St. Mary's Road outside of football and volleyball. Like all, everything else is basically along that St. Mary's Road, and I know some people. I, I think because State Farm Center is such like a hollow ground. I know the original, you know, architect kind of planned everything that way. But it, it makes sense, especially with wrestling competing now at State Farm Center. It won't be attached, but that's a very s- small walk over to uh, State Farm Center to to move everything that they need over there so that makes uh some sense but uh, a big deal for the Illini wrestling program so it'd be interesting to see how that impacts recruiting and how a new young staff impacts recruiting as well all right when we come back let's chat some Illinois versus Minnesota I'll give my thoughts after this about the matchup some keys to the game what I'm looking for but coming up next let's get a breakdown of the Gophers from Ryan Burns of Gopher Illustrated As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick Six is a must. Listen, download, and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found. Welcome to my guy Ryan Burns, Gopher Illustrated, and look at us, Ryan, covering a big Big Ten <laughs> game. Uh, in in mid-October here. I know Minnesota's been pretty good under P.J. Fleck the last couple years. Uh, Illinois is not. Illinois went into Minnesota and and got a win. Uh, But did you think in 2017 uh, we'd be talking about two of the the Big Ten West favorites here?
1: No. Me too. No, I did not. Or, like, this is a monumental game in the Big Ten West, if you look at the scope of it. Like, Minnesota has to win this game if November's going to matter for them. That's, like, if you were to have told me two months ago or even a month ago that would have been the case I would have laughed at you but the reality is the way things are looking here in the big Ten west this year Minnesota's got to win this game if they're just going to keep pace with Illinois and stay in striking distance of Purdue (laughs) stick with Illinois yeah (laughs) things you didn't think you were going to hear into the year I didn't think I was going to hear it either but here's the reality you know great
0: um it's not Minnesota's fault that uh Colorado is terrible and then Michigan State is, is ending up terrible. Uh, obviously, New Mexico State, Western Illinois, warm-up games, and they, they crushed them. Colorado, they crushed them. Michigan State, they crushed them. Uh, but then they follow with that loss to Purdue with, without Mo Ibrahim uh, on the field. H- how good is Minnesota?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, because September, they just absolutely throttled everyone, and it wasn't even close. I mean, like you said, Colorado is a bad football team, arguably one of the worst in Power five. They've already fired their head coach. And it's strange to say then former fired offensive coordinator Mike Sanford from last season for Minnesota is now the interim there. So maybe something about falling forward uh, is the Mike Sanford uh, scenario there. But Michigan State, they were ranked coming into that game against Minnesota. Turns out in a couple of games since maybe this isn't the year for Mel Tucker. And then last or two weeks ago before the bye week, everything that could have gone wrong for Minnesota went wrong in that game. I mean, Mo Ibrahim was a game-time decision. He warms up, looks fine, doesn't go. They wanted to give his ankle an extra week. P.J. Flex said on Monday he's going to be ready to go. But the issue is you go from Mo Ibrahim, and this is obviously a very run-centric offense, you go from Mo Ibrahim to Trayson and Potts and Bryce Williams, who had been pretty good in the first month of the season. They force zero missed tackles on 20 carries. Mm. Like, that's never going to win you a football game in the Big Ten. And even with that, Minnesota misses a 28-yard field goal in the first half. That can't happen. And then they have one of the worst plays I've ever seen from a pass catcher where Gophers throw an RPO slant, hits the receiver between his numbers, jolts off of him in the end zone, and goes to a Purdue guy for an interception. That would have tied the game and given Minnesota some momentum in the halftime, and it just doesn't work out. I mean, I'm telling you, everything that could have gone wrong in that game for Minnesota did. And you don't deserve to win the football game, then that's why Purdue comes away with it. But how good are they? I think they're pretty good. Now, for that to remain the case, I said it to begin, they have to win the game this weekend because Northwestern and Nebraska, Wisconsin and Iowa don't look like they're probably going to be Big Ten West contenders. Well, he already played Purdue, who's got a pretty good schedule for them running out here for the rest of the rest of Big Ten play. And Illinois just beat Iowa and Wisconsin. So if you're going to remain a good Big Ten West team, you better win the game this weekend. Yeah, um, this is
0: a really good Minnesota team. And I, I feel like that Purdue game was kind of like the Indiana game for Illinois, where mm-hmm. they found a way to lose when, when they should have won. Um, but offensively, uh, Kirk Sriracha is is back. And, um, you yeah, know, he, he had great first couple years with pj fleck uh goes to penn state didn't work out there was an offensive analyst last year uh what what is him coming back replacing mike sanford done for the offense and most importantly tanner morgan who didn't have a great year last year and of course the illinois game he really struggled
1: yeah it give them it gives them an identity i think they know what they want to be where the mike sanford years of 2010 and 2011 uh 2021 they really didn't know what they wanted to be, especially in the passing game. It felt like every single week you were seeing a new design or some new routes or just new ideas. And they were essentially throwing anything against the wall with Mike Sanford to see if anything stuck. They had an identity in the running game that never changed, but with Kirk Sharaka back, it's been the RPO game is back. Now it helped in 2019 when Minnesota had two NFL receivers, Rashad Bateman, Tyler Johnson, who are still in the league today, but they have an identity and they know, or Sharaka and Tanner Morgan just work really well together. It helps that they had three years together ending in that 2019. And then Sharaka comes back and Tanner Morgan looks like a 40 year old insurance agent. And it's his fifth year starting in college football. So he's seen a lot of things. Now, I would also say that, you know, part of the reason why Tanner has looked so good. And I believe pro football focus has him as the number one passing grade among big 10 quarterbacks so far. And obviously a lot of, I mean, C.J. Stroud, among other ones, there's some pretty good quarterbacks out there. But, I mean, he's just been very decisive. And that's where in the passing game, Minnesota has just had an identity. And that's where, you know, maybe they don't have the talent among pass catchers, which we're going to find out on Saturday if they can become more consistent because they weren't against Purdue. But Tanner has been a really good decision maker. Um, you know, you, you look at the Purdue game, he has three interceptions. and You're thinking, so he must have played horribly. Well, I already mentioned one of them if it would have was a spear it would have killed the receiver i mean it hit him right between the numbers and then it deflects off for an interception he's got another one that's tipped at the line of scrimmage and just happens to fall to the linebacker who's sitting in between three go for pass catchers and then he has a third one which was totally on him but he has made good decisions and that's where with shiraka back i think maybe his processor in terms of going from read a to b to c has much has been a lot faster and i think minnesota's benefited because of that
0: Who's he throwing to now? Uh, update Illinois fans, because Chris Altman-Bell uh, obviously is is out. And uh, as you said, they've had two good ones go to the, the NFL with Johnson and Bateman here lately.
1: Yeah, it sucks that Chris Altman-Bell was out, because this obviously would have been a homecoming of sorts for the Illinois native. And again, he feels like he's been around forever. He He's going to get a medical redshirt if he wants it. So he would be a seventh-year senior if he wants to uh, come back in 2023, but Uh, You're going to see a few guys. I think Brevin Spanford, Minnesota, is actually using a tight end, which uh, they haven't really used one since Max Williams about 10 years ago. But I think Brevin Spanford is very talented. They've seen Daniel Jackson the last couple of games here as he's returned from injury, been the leading receiver, scores two touchdowns against Penn State, is over 100 yards against Purdue. You're going to see him a lot on Saturday, but they need more consistency from two guys. And that's going to be Michael Brown Stevens, who dropped that touchdown against Purdue, and then Dalen Wright, who is the most physically gifted receiver in that room. But it's about him consistently playing to that. He's 6'3, 200 pounds, can make any catch that you can possibly imagine, but it's getting him to play to his 6'3, getting him to play to his athletic measurables. I mean, when he shows up, it's a different Minnesota pass catching group, and they can do a lot of different things. When he doesn't show up, things like the Purdue game happen where he just completely disappears. So you're going to see a lot of different guys catch passes for Minnesota. There really isn't that alpha type of receiver now that Chris Hopman Bell's not there, but they're going to throw it to four, five, six different guys on Saturday.
0: What was surprising last year, Ryan, is is how Illinois was able to s- slow Minnesota's rushing attack because it felt like Whoever they put in there behind that, those big offensive linemen uh, was getting a hundred yards. Uh, but Mo Ibrahim is back, one of the best in the Big Ten, along with Chase Brown, of course, one of the best rushers in the country. What is him coming back done for that rushing attack and and this offensive line? Like they've replaced a lot of guys, but they se-
1: still seem to be pretty dang good. He's the most important player on this team, and I say that knowing Tanner Morgan, the fifth year starter. I say that knowing Center John Michael Schmitz is a Remington candidate. Uh, Chris Otman Bell, very valuable. But in a run-centric offense like Minnesota is and how good Mo Ibrahim is, this is just a very different team when he's healthy. And you saw that against Purdue. Now, the expectation, like I said, is he's going to play. Suffered an ankle injury against Michigan State. was a game-time decision two weeks ago before uh, Purdue doesn't go. Minnesota has a bye week, should be ready to go. But I think, I mean, I think he and Chase Brown are two all Big Ten running backs. I, I think not enough people... Coming into the season, we're talking about Chase Brown. I think they are now (laughs) with what he's been able to do. But I think they're very similar players where Mo is the king of yards after contact, the yards specifically after first contact, where maybe he has a guy in the backfield on him. Instead, you know, he makes a miss. So it's second and six instead of second and 12. Well, for an offense like Minnesota, that's maybe not incredibly pass oriented. That's huge. And I also think he's the king of falling forward. I mean, whether it's a, a second and short, third and short, fourth and short, he's able to get you those extra yards where second and eight versus second and five. in this offense is incredibly valuable. Now, where I think Chase Brown definitely has the advantage is Chase can end it. And that's what PJ, Sec- PJ Fleck said on Monday was, you know, if Chase Brown gets in the open field, he's gone. Yeah. Well, if Mo Ibrahim gets in the open field, he's not going to be gone. And that's okay. But again, Mo is a guy that has over 600 collegiate carries at a power five level. He's averaging 5.7 yards per carry. Like, this is not a fluke. He is just, he's not the biggest guy. He's not the fastest guy. And he's coming off an Achilles injury. And he has still overcome the odds and had a wonderful September. So he is going to be huge for this Minnesota running game.
0: All right. Defensively. Um, what was it? The 2018 Illinois put up uh, 55 points against Minnesota. There are
1: a lot of fans that are very happy about what Illinois did to Minnesota that day because you got Rob Smith fired, who's now at Duke. And now you we you, uh, you brought in the Joe Rossi era at Minnesota. So I think there are a lot of Minnesota fans who are thankful for that drumming in champagne.
0: Yeah, I was going to say it ended up a good thing. What has made this defense so good? What has made him so good It's defensive coordinator?
1: Yeah, I mean, him and Ryan Walters, who, again, I have a ton of respect for. I get a lot of crap here in the Minneapolis market because, um, you know, I like to talk about, you know, the Big Ten. And I'll, I'll continue to say Ryan Walters, future Colorado coach. So I think what he has done there in just a couple of years has been tremendous. And there's not enough people talking about him as a Broyles award guy. But I think a lot of people could say the same thing about Joe Rossi. And what makes a Joe Rossi defense so good is they limit explosive plays. In 2021, there was no better defense in college football limiting explosive plays than Minnesota. Now, in 2022, I would imagine they're still a top 10 in that category. But that's what they want to do to you. They want to make you go 8, 10, 12, 14 plays down the field because eventually they believe you're going to make a mistake. And they're also pretty good at stopping the run. Now, that wasn't the case last year. And I can assure you Joe Rossi is well aware that Chase Brown had over 100 yards after contact against him last year. Uh, It's something to where Minnesota is going to have to swarm around the ball, make sure that no matter whoever the quarterback is, DeVito or uh, Archer, what is it, Sikowski? Yeah. Yeah. You know, they're going to have to make him beat him. But it's stopping the run and getting off the field on third down. Coming into that Purdue game, Minnesota had allowed six third down conversions all season. And I think Purdue in that game went something like four for 13. So Minnesota has been really good on third down all season long. But if Chase Brown is going to continue to grind those yards after contact, which you know, like I do, he leads the big 10 in that category. Might be a little tougher day for Minnesota.
0: If Tom and DeVito were healthy and, and we don't know the status, we're recording this on Wednesday, Ryan. Uh, I look at these two teams like they're looking in the mirror. It's like the Spider-Man meme. Uh, <laughs> It's like when Purdue and Maryland played each other. I thought those two teams were like the same thing. and ended up being a 31-29 game. Um, so, I mean, Minnesota has the edge, right, if if to- Tommy DeVito can't go. But this feels like just such an even matchup.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think that is a huge part of it. Anytime you have a starting quarterback um, injury, I think that's going to play a big part in it. You know, the funny thing is, too, I feel like I've been talking about Artur Satowski for like five years. And somehow Minnesota has never played him, yeah. but he's been starting for five years and Minnesota played Rutgers in all those 2018 through 21 seasons. Um, and then the last couple of seasons, you know, Arthur started games for Illinois. So it's a little strange, but I, like, I'm surprised the line is as big as it is because on Wednesday, I think it's still six and a half by Minnesota, which is very strange to me because if this game doesn't go well for Minnesota and Illinois wins, you saw the recipe last year yeah. where, Illinois' front seven is devastatingly physical. They are tremendous. And where did Minnesota just struggle last week against Purdue? Was physicality up front. That was an issue. Keeping Tanner Morgan clean was an issue. And so that's where I'm thinking Johnny Newton, Seth Coleman, Keith Randolph. Like, if they bring it, this spread is way too big. I think this spread should be, if if DeVito doesn't go, I still think it should be about Minnesota minus two, not six and a half. But it comes down to, do you believe that the Minnesota moving company up front is going to be able to bring the physicality? If you do, I mean, maybe six and a half is right if the beater doesn't go. If they don't, boy, it could be another long day for Minnesota, and it's going to come down to which quarterback takes care of the ball better because explosive plays and turnovers are going to be the big key then.
0: Ryan, what do you make of you know, P.J. Fleck, Jeff Brom, Brett Bielma? I think they have such a great opportunity – In the Big Ten West for what might be the next year and a half of of divisions. Um, But given Iowa, Wisconsin, Northwestern, Nebraska all struggling, uh, how has PJ taken advantage of this opportunity?
1: Well, he didn't take advantage of it two weeks ago. And he needs to take. Yeah. Or last year or in 2019, where 2019 they have Wisconsin at home, last game of the season with college game day there. They win, they're into Indy. They completely crap the bed and don't take advantage of that opportunity last year if nebraska just holds on to a two-score lead at home in the fourth quarter on black friday against iowa minnesota goes to indianapolis minnesota has been incredibly close the last two the last three years and then you see what's happening in the big 10 west this year that's why i'll continue to say this is a must-win game for minnesota because in a year where wisconsin and Iowa were down and you look at you know Purdue and Illinois i think they're good football teams i don't think they're the elite Iowa and Wisconsin teams of the mid 2010s where they're just going to run away with this thing i still think 6 and 3 is probably going to win you a big 10 west and then it comes down to the to your head to heads and this is a head to head you're going to need to win because obviously Illinois and uh, Illinois and Purdue still play among other ones so this is a game they have to win this is a game they have to take advantage of because you know, there's been a lot of talk up here in the Minneapolis market about, well, the Big Ten West is, isn't that good this year. I don't agree with that. Like, I think Illinois, Purdue and Minnesota are pretty good football teams. I think, you know, Northwestern's dreadful. Nebraska probably isn't a bowl team again. But I think Wisconsin and Iowa will still show some fight. I mean, I think like you saw, you know, I was just wasting a top three Phil Parker defense at this point. And Kirk Ferentz is just too stubborn to do anything about it, which is mind boggling to me. But nepotism apparently is king. So I think there's enough good teams left, but it's going to be win against Illinois and then hope that Illinois can stand up against Purdue to maybe force a little bit more chaos.
0: Love it. Love it's a big game, man. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. I think there's a lot of teams in the Big Ten West that are like 20 to 45 in the country uh and, and that makes Correct. for a fun race uh, mm-hmm. at the very least to see who has to play ohio state uh in indianapolis um before i let you go ryan I, it's basketball preview time uh year two ben johnson right like what what do you expect uh with dawson garcia now in the full jameson battle a good player i don't think anyone's expecting minnesota to come up and, and be an ncaa tournament team but uh w- how do uh expectations change now
1: yeah, well I hope you enjoyed your time in Minneapolis because according to the Jeff Goodman tweet nobody enjoys their time in Minneapolis and heaven forbid the coaches have to get off their private jets here for for 6 hours and go I to the Target enjoy Center. I my time um, in
0: Minneapolis. I'll tell
1: you there were a lot of there's a lot of angry people about that tweet uh, up here in Minneapolis cuz especially when you were here yesterday it was like 82 degrees in October.
0: Right. I got off the plane, Ryan, I'm like, "Man, I never thought I'd come off the plane from
1: Minneapolis <laughs> and have a 20 degree drop in Illinois." Yeah. So, uh, you know, with the basketball team, it comes down to what do you think about Jameson battle? And then how does Dawson Garcia acclimate himself? Cause Dawson Garcia was tremendous at that Marquette as a freshman goes to North Carolina. It doesn't work out there. Some family issues off the court transfers back to Minnesota. Now it hurts that they lost a couple of key contributors that were going to be depth guys, potential starters. And Parker Fox, as I, Isaiah, Ayanin. they brought in some transfers, but I think just going even 500 to me, it would be a step in the right direction. I know there's some people around here that think they should be a bubble team. I'm not ready to go that far yet, but I think if Jamison battle and, uh, and Dawson Garcia can figure it out and be a competent one 2 kind of punch there, I think Minnesota can surprise some teams, but I think 500 should probably be the expectation.
0: Brian Burns, you're the goods, man. Appreciate your time. Enjoy a big, big 10 West battle on Saturday, man.
1: I appreciate it, and I like how you're rocking the schmedium like always.
0: always appreciate my guy. Which, by the way, he's dropped some LBs here recently. I think he's getting married, wanting to slim down. So, Ryan, you're looking good, too. I should have told him that before I let him go. Uh, Anyway, let's talk a little bit about this Illinois-Minnesota matchup. I think this is going to be a really interesting game. If Tommy DeVito plays, I think these are two very similar teams in that they have two veteran quarterbacks who make good decisions for the most part two of the top defenses in the country two physical teams in the trenches uh, especially offensive line wise uh, and two of the best running backs in the country and Chase Brown and Mo Ibrahim obviously what I'm interested to see is will Tommy DeVito play one reason I wanted to hold off on this podcast is because you know Brett Bielema we wanted to hear what he had to say about Tommy DeVito and, and Joey Wagner did a really good job this week of, of pressing Bielema on, on whether DeVito will play. Sometimes in the media we we know we're not gonna get an answer, but we gotta ask the question. So I think Bielema respects Joey for asking some of those things and whenever we have to ask, but we have to. And Jasper Cray might play here and Tommy DeVito at least practiced a little bit. And that, that's what Bielema said. How much did he practice how much is saying he practiced a mind game? I don't know. I don't know. You know, coaches don't got to be honest all the time. But there seems to be a chance that Tommy DeVito will play. And I think that would make a huge impact if if he is healthy. But that's going to be the, the most interesting thing to watch, of course. But I watched a couple of Minnesota's games. Michigan State, which is a very bad team. That's not Minnesota's fault. Like the first four games, Minnesota didn't play a very good opponent. Michigan State was supposed to be good. So I wish we would have learned a little bit more about Minnesota. I think the RPO game, Morgan, very good against Michigan State. Um, But Michigan State just is a mess right now. It's not not Minnesota's fault that Colorado's a mess either. But watched the Michigan State game, and then I watched the Purdue game. And, and of course, against Purdue, they're without Mo Ibrahim. But I thought it interesting, a, a Purdue team that played Minnesota last year, of course, schemed them up really well. And Minnesota made a lot of mistakes in that game but they bottled up the run game. And again, Mo Ibrahim was not there, but Minnesota has had a successful run game even without Mo Ibrahim the last year and a half. So I found that really interesting. And I'm, I'm just watching Minnesota's defense. I think Joe Rossi does a great job. That, that defense is really well coached. They don't make a lot of mistakes. I don't think they're as talented as Illinois' defense. Like Illinois' defense has dudes. So here's what's going for Illinois. Ryan Walter's defense. I think they're elite. I think they're gonna keep this game within reach for whoever is playing quarterback and whoever you know, whoever's playing for Illinois. I think the defensive front is one of the best in the country. And I mean that. Johnny Newton and Keith Randolph are playing as high of a level as anybody in the Big Ten on the defensive line. Calvin Avery's playing really well. I think T Rod Edwards is playing really well. And I think the Illinois offensive line against Minnesota's defensive line, I think they can have some success. I think Chase Brown can have a really good day. Purdue ran for, had a 100-yard rusher against them. So I just think Illinois is more talented up front. And given that they beat Wisconsin in the trenches, and more importantly, an Iowa defensive front that I have a lot of respect for, I think Isaiah Adams, Alex Pelcheski, Alex Pilstrom, Zy Chrysler, and Julian Pearl can have a really good day. I do. I, I think they can run the ball effectively. And if you can add a healthy Josh McCray to that, we'll see. Game time. But if you can add that, I think Illinois can run the ball well. Stay ahead of the sticks. Because I think Minnesota's defense is is good. I don't know if they're great. I think Illinois' defense is great. Of course, going against Illinois, Tanner Morgan is better than Art Sikowski. But Tanner has thrown the ball at times. You know, into the defense's hands and Illinois was able to force that last year so you have to bottle up Mo Ibrahim and Mo Ibrahim back is going against Illinois. He's a far better back than their other guys. Trey Potts is good Bryce Williams is good but Mo Ibrahim is, is just a different guy he's one of the best in the country and it's, it's interesting watching Mo Ibrahim because he's not the biggest he's strong of course and he's certainly not the fastest but he's got some, he's got some juice to him, got, got some quickness to him and he's just hard to bring down one of the best backs uh, in the the country when it comes to yards after contact. So I'm interested to see that, but Ryan Walters schemed up Minnesota so well, and I know they have a new offensive coordinator, but they do like to run some of the same things. And it's a Minnesota offensive line that is retooled, that is good. John Michael Schmitz, a kid from Homeward to Fossmore, is one of the best centers they'll see all year. It's going to be fun to watch him against Calvin Avery. But the key to this game for Illinois is the same things. It's it's the same script of the last couple of weeks, dominate the trenches. And they have. Against Iowa and Wisconsin. And to be honest with you, I think Wisconsin and Iowa's offensive lines have questions. Minnesota's might have too. But Iowa's defensive front, I think is better than Minnesota's. So if you can have more success running the ball or more success, you know, kind of dominating those trenches than you did against Iowa, I think Illinois got got a chance to win here because you got to slow the run to force Morgan into throwing a lot. And Illinois has done that against Wisconsin and Iowa. Braylon Allen is a fantastic back. He had two yards. Don't expect them to do that to Mo Ibrahim again, but we've seen it. Iowa had 52 yards rushing, so make them throw a lot. That's not what they want to do, especially without Tyler Johnson, without Rashad Bateman, without Chris Ottman Bell. Daniel Jackson's a talented wide receiver, former four-star, had a good game uh, against Michigan State, I believe it was. Brown-Stevens is fine, but like throwing into Devin Witherspoon, Quan Martin, Sidney Brown, I think is a good thing uh, for Illinois. So, of course, the turnover battle is always a key. Can't turn it over three times, I think, against Minnesota, like you did against Iowa, and find a way to win. So it's it's basically the same keys, and, and I'm really interested to see how illinois does if art Sikowski has to go because going back and watching the film of course art's interception was awful i still don't like the run call and barry lunny when i asked him about it um when when he, they went for it on, on second and goal and they rolled out art he said yeah we, we can't make that throw he knows it's us or nobody which is true art Sikowski cannot make that throw but I also just don't think you put the ball in his hands as an offensive coordinator, and and Barry basically said that. Like, I I need to put him in a position to succeed. And if you have Josh McCray in that game, maybe you don't run that, right? Uh, Joey asked about the draw play with Art Sikowski, and Barry gave a reason why he wanted to do it. I just, I'm not giving, I I wouldn't have put the ball in his hands in that moment, and uh, Illinois luckily got away with it. But I'm interested to see what Barry draws up if Art has to go this week. Because Art did make some decent throws. I think he's a fine backup quarterback. But to win this game, I don't think the ball can always be in his hands. Art's got to be the manager. He's got to make a couple throws. But you have to run the football. You have to scheme some things up as an offensive coordinator. And need Art to take care of the ball. But it can't be on the back of Art Sikowski. We know that, right? But When you have a great defense, a good running game, a good offensive line, and some playmakers. Isaiah Williams is supposed to be back after he supposedly had a concussion. Taz Nicholson sounds like he's going to play. Uh, sounds like Isaac Darkangelo is going to play. Michael Marquez is going to play. So, and if Josh McCray can come back, I think Illinois would like to have one of Tommy DeVito or Josh McCray play because if you can do that, maybe you can get into the high teens. Maybe, maybe if you don't turn the ball over. So it's an exciting game, man. Exciting game to see if Illinois can go into the off week, the second off week, six and one. Even they don't five and two would be a pretty good spot to be. But if you beat Minnesota, it's basically a two team race in the West between Illinois and Purdue. I still think Wisconsin and Iowa are going to win some games here and have a chance to finish over 500 in the league. Uh, Minnesota certainly can, can stick in the race, but if they had losses to both Purdue and Illinois, they could be very tough. Who would have thought Illinois would have this opportunity standing in in front of them. And even if Illinois loses this game, uh, they can find a way to be in the big 10 race. Um, Indiana loss hurts, though. But you have a chance. You have a chance, and I think the defense and the run game are going to continue to give a chance. It's why Wisconsin won so many games all those years. It's why Iowa won so many games all these years. You got a couple things you can rely on, and I think this is a huge proving ground for both teams. Uh, Illinois also has a couple official visitors to JUCO offensive lineman Keyshawn Blackstock, one of the top junior college offensive linemen in the country. He's gotten offers from everywhere this fall, and then Desmond Schuster, who's got an Illinois offer, no other offers, both those guys on official visits. I think what that tells you is Illinois is definitely going to add some uh, experienced offensive linemen, whether it's the Juco market, whether it's the transfer portal in this offseason, and they have a great sell, especially to Juco offensive linemen. I mean, they're getting Blackstock in his first official visit, probably because of their success with Isaiah Adams and Zai Chrysler, and with Pilstrom and Palachewski, definitely gone. And with potentially Adams being an NFL guy next year, Julian Pearl, like I think Adams is playing his way into potentially a one-and-done at Illinois. At least Illinois thinks he could be. Um, so I think they're going to add two more guys. Because remember the reason that Brett Bielema got in trouble last year? Because some people took him out of context or, or didn't understand. Maybe he didn't explain it well enough. But before the Penn State game, when you're saying, I don't have anybody in the second string or anybody in those classes that's helping me, that's still a problem for Illinois, right? The, the classes of 2019 to 2021 for the offensive line recruiting outside of Slaughter Pearl right now just aren't ready. And we'll see if Josh Cruz Zach Barlow, Josh Geske get there. But you don't want to play redshirt freshman offensive linemen. So even though I think Hunter Whitenett could next year, Joey Okal, I think they're high on. Most of these guys, you need to sit a couple of years. You see how Iowa is struggling with redshirt freshmen. Uh, Wisconsin, in recent years, has struggled a little bit more up front because they've had to play some redshirt freshmen. You don't have to do that. So if you can get two more veteran guys, and Blackstock is awesome. Blackstock's awesome. Schuster, I think, is more a little bit like Zy Chrysler. He's got three years of eligibility, uh, and uh, I think he'd take some more development. But Illinois definitely wants to load up more on the veteran market up front. Like O-Line. Quarterback, probably DB, and D line are, are, are the big ones you need to add some veterans after that season. Uh, but that that's a topic for another day that we can dive into. Uh, but they also have a bunch of 2024 targets. I wrote about it on the site. You can check that out at IlliniInquire.com. Check out our preview and picks. We are split this week on whether Illinois will win or not. I got a better feeling than I had earlier in the week. So, yeah, you can go check that out at IlliniInquire. Dot com. I'll just tell you, I have him winning. Why not? Why wouldn't you believe in, in Ryan Walters and, and Chase Brown and what Brett Behan was doing? I, I think Minnesota got a lot of respect for what they're doing in the program. Like I tell a lot of people, you don't have to like P.J. Fleck, but you got to respect what he's doing. I think they're really well coached. I just think Illinois is more talented. I do. And uh, Tommy DeVito being out is huge. If Tommy DeVito were in this game, I'd feel pretty confident about Illinois. But I just look in the trenches – And Illinois starting to remind you of the Iowa Wisconsin's. And that's why they have to keep replenishing, keep replenishing, because that stuff wins. That stuff wins in the Big Ten when you can own the run game like they have. Like I told Jay Layman earlier in the week, it's like 350 to 50 in, in rushing the last two weeks against Wisconsin and Iowa. It's incredible. That's incredible. If they can keep that up and have a three to one advantage against Minnesota or even a two to one. They got a chance to win this game. All right, thank you as always for listening to the Alana Inquirer podcast. Give us a follow, rating, review wherever you get your podcast. Check us out on YouTube as well. The following there has been fantastic. You can check out the tour of the, the Ubbin Basketball Complex up there as well. But everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. Have a fun weekend. Joy Wagner and I will be on here for the live post game podcast. Check us out on YouTube for that. Uh, we'll tweet that out as well and talk about a big game, Illinois, Minnesota. Thank you for listening to the On Enquirer podcast. Talk to you next time. Bye, everybody.